Welcome once again to Saturday Java with Jason. I am Jason Coffee Man. This is where we meet with guests, drink coffee, and just have a great conversation. I'm here with Denise Kavaluskas. She is an abuse survivor and an abuse survivor coach. So I'm going to turn the time over to her right now, and she can give you more of an introduction of who she is and what she does. Awesome, Jason. Thank you so much for having me here. So yeah, I am a narcissistic abuse recovery coach helping women and men heal from narcissistic abuse, domestic violent relationships, any form of abuse. I also help and or men win when they're up against a narcissist in court. So uh, divorce, child custody, things like that. And I also help women and men have true love after toxic love. Because all three of those things that I just mentioned to you, I've been through and came out on the other side of. So yeah, I'm happy to be here and share this message with your audience. All right. Thank you so much for being here. My first question for you is what is a narcissistic person and what traits do they have? That's such a great question. So What I've discovered in my research, I've been doing this now going on 10 years, is I can give you like the Google review of what is a narcissist, which is they lack empathy for other people. That's the biggest thing that will show somebody who they are if they do not have empathy for other people. They will show empathy for themselves cry, poor me, I'm the victim type of thing. But for other people, they're hard, they're nasty, they're mean, right? So that's the biggest thing that I share with people because I like to just cut to the core and give people what they need to know. But what I've realized in my going on 10 years of research is that not everybody who shows up narcissistically is an actual narcissist. So this is a rabbit hole type of answer, but to just give you a glimpse of what I'm talking about is just because somebody shows up in a certain way doesn't mean that they're actually this way. It's energy is all about, we respond to people. So when we're in relationships and we come home and the other person is happy, joyful, even if we were in a bad mood, our energy will shift into being happier, right? If that's what we choose. Narcissistic behavior is something that is basically a trauma response. So when people are traumatized and they don't heal their emotional wounds, they show up narcissistically. So that doesn't classify them as a narcissist because I was unhe- I had a lot of unhealed wounds. My clients that come to me for help have unhealed wounds. And so they have been, and I had been showing up narcissistically, but that doesn't mean that the label narcissistic personality disorder is factual for every individual who shows up that way. Does that make sense? Yes, ma'am. Now, one question is one thing that confuses me is can somebody be putting on a persona and acting narcissist narcissistically, even though they're not, they're just kind of being a dick. (laughs) Yeah. They could be, yeah, and vice versa. They could be acting nice, trying not to be the way that they truly feel or are, 
and they show up the opposite way in the form of manipulation. Something they're showing up that way to get their way. And now you put up with you you put up with dealing with narcissists, whether it's from a third person or the narcissists themselves. What are some red flags that you've seen that in case there is somebody out there, they can say, hey, that's what I'm dealing with? Yeah, great question. So there's a lot of ways that they behave. The biggest one is selfishness. Everything is for them, about them. Every story, every everything is always about them. So selfishness is the biggest one, right? Everything is about them in every scenario, situation. The other thing that I see with narcissistic personality disorder is they show up in one of two ways, either the hero or the victim. So they, they can be the hero where they're saving the day or saving you and everything's great. And look at me, I'm the hero. Look what I did for you. And then they can also show up as the victim. Poor me, look at me. My situation is bad. I've always had tough times in my life, always being the victim. No, I don't want to say that it's mostly men out there that are narcissists. It's not just females. It's both. You it's don't both. need you don't need to be a male or female. It could be both. But it's both, I, yes. Is there a red flag the same for both or is it different? Yes, it's it it can be different. The behaviors are the same, but here's the difference between men, the way they show up narcissistically to pull in their victim for lack of a better word, they show up in the beginning, very charming and charismatic, but all the manipulation and all the personality traits of a narcissist will still be there. But for men to draw in like safe, like in a relationship, let's say dating to draw in the woman that he wants for whatever, he will show up charming and charismatic because narcissists know what the other person wants. And that's why they're so keen on listening in the beginning of the relationship and then things start to turn. Now for women and the way they show up to draw in a man, they show up seductively, right? Because women, and this is the biggest difference, women, we can have babies. So there's, there's an entrapment right there. How many times have you heard of a false pregnancy? She was just trying to keep him or she was just trying to get him back. She said she was pregnant. You've heard that a million times in your lifetime. So this is a way that women, because we're different gender, have different abilities, they draw in their victims. Very sexual, now, sensuality, sensual, they can manipulation tactics like that. Now let's go beyond that. Now they let's put the, the woman as she does give birth. Now she has the kids mm-hmm. with narcissistic personality, use those kids more as a pawn yep absolutely all so that goes for both genders all narcissists use their children as pawns but yes the woman will purposely even get pregnant to trap him even if it's just a paycheck and use the child as a pawn so what they do is they will hold the child against the other parent it's called parent alienation where they're denying the other parent time, even if it's court ordered or whatever. I've, I've heard this and seen this a million times. And yes, they, will, they always use the child as a pawn. 
And now when you do have that parent alienation, we dealt with that on this channel before. Mm-hmm. It's not just hurting the kids. You're hurting everybody. You're hurting the maternal or paternal grandparents. You're hurting other victim and mm-hmm. you are hurting the kids. And a lot of times it doesn't end up in a good situation. Yes. But the narcissist only sees it as a power and control, a power struggle. I have control of this situation. I can withhold my child, children from my ex or my partner or whatever. And I don't care who is being hurt in between. Again, they use their children as pawns. So this is not a parent who is caring and loving and wanting the best for the child. They simply see the child as a tool, as a mechanism to get their way. Do you think people were born with this? Or do you think it was not really a nature, but a nurture? Like, do you believe people are bred into this where in case their parents have it, now the kids have it, and the kids are now brought up the same way? That is such a great question. It is 100% a trauma response. Every narcissist who decides, because it's an unconscious decision that they make somewhere along the way, it's a decision that they make unconsciously to be this way. And it stems from the trauma, the unhealed trauma that they've had in the past. So everything that you said is true. They're, They're bred into this. They're not born this way. They're bred into this. It is, they, they pick up this energy from the family dynamics and the upbringing that they have. And because we've all been through trauma, not everybody who's been through trauma chooses to be mean and nasty and use people and, and have be narcissistic. Lots of people who have trauma chose to either heal their traumas or help other people with their traumas. So it's just a decision that they make along the way of, say, for example, Let's say, for example, dad, so here's the child and the dad is the one who's the abuser and the mom is the victim. So the child grows up in this home seeing mom cry because of dad, right? And so there's an unconscious decision that's made along the way for the child to choose. Like, I really hate, it hurts me to see mom cry like that. It, I really feel that. So I don't want to be like that. So unconsciously they go, so I'm going to be like that. So that I can hurt people before they hurt me because I, I feel the pain of my mom and I never want to be like her. And they may even go into like, she's wasted her time and wasted her life. And I'm going to be like the dad because at least he's in control. And a lot of times women will use crocodile tears. And a lot of times the father will use anger. Yes. They're both they're both manipulating because a lot of times the women would do that and run in the other room acting like they're upset and they're not. And that's another thing too is that's another sense of control. You yes. might not really be crying. You just want the attention of Absolutely. being of, yes. Right. And see, there's a perfect example of being showing up as the victim pretending to cry. I'm the victim. So they make up, they, they either make up a story of victimization or they, 
exaggerate a story to be a victim. Now you've been doing coaching with this. Mm-hmm. You must have heard of people making up situations to make themselves sound better or even more of a victim than they were than what they were. Yeah, I lived it. At first I lived it, I experienced it. And then through my coaching, yes, I've had tons of women and men share their stories with me. Yeah. Okay. Can you just tell people, because there might be people out there living in the situation you're living in. Can you let the listeners know what you dealt with? And if you don't want to go that deep, you don't have to, if you want to, you can, it's up to you. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I was married to the father of my two children. We got married when I was super young. I was 19. He was, I don't remember, 22 or something like that. And I was totally in love with him and immersed by him. And there was abuse and there was red flags and there was signs of abuse before we got married. But here I was 19 years old. First of all, I came from an emotionally abusive household. So when I started to date my ex-husband, this energy of him was familiar to me. I was used to it. I came from it, right? So it didn't, it it wasn't a red flag for me. I didn't like go, oh gosh, he's whatever, because I was used to it. So we were married for 22 years. Eight was really the catalyst to everything. That was when he attempted suicide with our 14-year-old daughter in the next room. That was the day that I told him I wanted a divorce. And there's so much to the story, but basically he was filled with, steroids and self-medicating himself with pills. So he had like a lot of substances in him, which I believe was a a huge contributor to what, why he did what he did. So that day I told him I wanted a divorce and that's what he did. So that led to hospitals and just a whole nother rabbit hole of, of dysfunction and traumas and dramas. So that was 2008, 2011 was when I left him for the first time. So I left him and everything. I left with a futon couch and an air mattress and moved three states away from South Florida to North Carolina. I didn't want, like, I I didn't want shit from him. I didn't ask for nothing. I didn't want nothing. I just left with the futon couch and the air mattress, came here to North Carolina, started my, started to start my life all over again. So I had an apartment. It's my daughter and I, I had a job. It's going really well. Well, narcissists are famous for hoovering. And hoovering is when they come back after the breakup and they go, oh, I'm so sorry. Let's get back together. It'll be different this time, right? Hoovering. So that's what he did. So I was here in North Carolina for three months before I went back to Florida, went back to him because we were going to try it again. I think everybody goes through this phase of a breakup, right? We're going to try it again. It's going to work this time, yada, yada, yada. So I was in Florida back with him for a total of eight months. And then obviously it didn't get better. (laughs) So I came back here to North Carolina and that was 2012. And ever since then, I've focused on myself and moving my life forward, healing my emotional wounds. And that's how I started my business and do what I do now for, for women and men. Now you were with him for 22 years. Total, yeah. Why why didn't you just get up and leave? Were you because some people are going to say this, 
were you in the forest and you didn't see the trees or were you kind of like, I will make this work? Why didn't you just up and leave if if you were going through this, like some people out there might say? Right. So those people who say that have never been in an abusive relationship. So there's women who are in far more severe abuse than what I endured. But the number one reason why we don't leave is because we're afraid. We're scared. What's on the other side of leaving, right? Because unfortunately what happens to us as humans, we get used to our dysfunction. And so when we get used to our dysfunction, we're comfortable in our dysfunction, what's on the outside of those walls and those doors is far more scarier than what's actually happening here. I know that may sound crazy to some people, but this is how it goes. And also for me, there was always this hope of things are going to get better. Things are going to get better. Things are going to get better. The other factor was we have a family. I felt guilty if I leave my children's father, then I'm the one who broke up our family. And sometimes abusers will say that to the other person. They'll say, well, you, if they mention divorce or I'm going to leave you or whatever, they, they'll use that as a tool to say, well, go ahead, because then it'll be your fault. Then you're the blame for breaking up our family. Is that what you want to do to your kids? They'll say things like that. Is that what you want to do to our kids? You're going to break their heart. And so then the guilt is so overwhelming that they stay. So those are just a few examples of why women and men, because men are in these situations too, why they stay. Now you said divorce. That to a lot of abusers is even worse than staying sometimes because now you're leaving me. Yep. You you are causing this abuse. This yep. is your fault. Mm -hmm. Yep. It also is so triggering for the abuser because the abuser has abandonment issues. So when the other person says, I'm leaving you, or I'm divorcing you, it instantly sparks that abandonment. It takes them back to when they were a child and they were abandoned by somebody that they loved. And so it triggers all of that. So then the anger comes up, right? And the, and the frustration and the, and the crazy toxic behavior. Cause like I have stories that like are unbelievable at times of when I was ready to cut it off and it turned into this huge drama fest because of that one statement. Do you think it's better as some circumstances to leave with nothing instead of trying to save up money and, oh, I'm just going to save up $2,000 and then I'll leave. Do you think there's some situations that people are in where it's better to just leave in the middle of the night, go to the police station and say, look, I need a place to stay. I can't save up that money because it's getting too rough for me. That is such a deep question. It depends on the situation. Yes. I don't recommend the police station though. Yes. If there's bodily harm, if there's sexual assault, abuse, if there's, yes, definitely get, get the, can we curse? Get the F out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get the F out. But for me in my situation, and in a lot of cases where it is very emotional, so emotional of, um, and you have the opportunity because I manifested $10,000 to leave 
my ex and I had no job. I had no funds coming to me directly. I didn't have a job. I ran his business. So I tell women and men all the time, like if you have the opportunity where you can sell off some stuff that you don't you know, use or want anymore, where you can start collecting and saving money, stash it away, absolutely do that so that you're one step ahead. If I didn't have that $10,000 and I'm, there's no way I would have been even able to rent the moving truck to come here to North Carolina. So the short answer to that is it depends on their situation. And then if given the opportunity to manifest or save or whatever money, then yeah, do that. Because it's much easier with money. And all the time, it's better to save the money quietly instead yeah. of letting the other person know, well, when I get enough money, I'm moving out. Right. Don't let that person know because Absolutely. it it will be even worse for you in the long run. Yep. Absolutely. In fact, I did that. Well, no, no, no. I didn't do that. My son, my teenage son, had found some messages that I was corresponding with my friend up here in North Carolina that I was leaving and he showed his dad and that just opened up a whole nother traumatic event. Absolutely. It, keep it quiet. Don't tell. And I, I recommend don't tell anybody. The best way to keep a secret is don't tell anybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because you don't know, even that was your own flesh and blood who mm -hmm. I don't want to say, I don't want to say you turn his back on you, but he used that against you as mm -hmm. more leverage for your ex-husband? Yes. Yeah. He, he's, he's a lot like his dad. So he, he's been manipulated. Well, not now, because now he's 29 years old and he knows better. But at that time, he was manipulated into thinking like, we're a team and they're a team. So I have one, so one daughter, one son. And so my, my ex-husband kind of made it like where the boys were on one side and the girls were on the other side. So. So he was playing them against each other too, not just playing off of you. He said, like I said before, he uses the kids as pawns. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yes. They always do. What would you say to a parent right now who is, doing that to the kids who was using them as a pawn, what would you say to them right now if they were in front of you? Well, if they asked me because they genuinely wanted help, that's totally different than somebody who's using their kids as pawns and like, don't give a shit. They're just using their kids as pawns. But if someone realized that, oh crap, this is what I'm doing. I don't want to do this anymore. Then what I would say to them is, okay, Take a step back. Now you have this awareness in you that you've been doing this. Don't beat yourself up. Now better when better you do better. And then I would give them some things to do for themselves to let go of that because guilt will immediately come in. If they truly feel bad, I, I just realized like I've been using my kids. If they truly feel bad about that, the guilt will come in and it could be overwhelming. So I'd give them some exercises to do some writing exercises to do to let go of the guilt and then create new behaviors between them and their children. Now, as you said before, though, a lot of them don't have empathy. So right. a lot of the times you're talking to a brick wall, might as well say. Right. 
Well, my, my clients are the victims in the situation and they're not the abusers because abusers right, you can't get through. To them. Right. Right. So if you show, if you tell an abuser, you're using the kid against that person, they probably say, no, I'm not. I'm only doing what I have to do in this mm -hmm. situation. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. There's no getting, they're brick walls. There's no getting through to them. <laughs> now, if you run into somebody who the victim needs counseling, mm -hmm. is it hard to break through and get them to accept your help because they're in denial of what they're going through? It depends. If they come to me and they want help and I offer them a solution, it's up to them to choose it. I've, I've talked to so many, I've been doing talking to women and men since 2016. Some of them do, some of them don't, some of them don't, but then they come around six months later, a year later, because there's all of this, there's this whole path and journey coming out of abusive situations. And sometimes when you're just freshly out of it, it's like, I can't even think to get help right now. Right now I'm in such survival mode. All I can think about is getting a job, taking care of my kids. You know what I mean? Like getting on, getting on my feet and then I'll worry about that later on. So it depends on where she's at. If she, if she wants to receive, and that's what it boils down to. She wants to receive this help. And if she truly believes that this help is the catalyst that's going to take her life to the next level where she's out of abuse forever. And she's now into living her life the way that she always dreamt her life could be. And if you see anybody in the, as a third person, if you see anybody going through this, speak up because that person that's going through it might not see or know that they're going through this because they're so far in it that they, they can't see exactly what it is that you see. Absolutely. Absolutely. And at minimum, Jason, when we do that, we're planting a seed in that person's head. So it may not come to fruition today, next week, three months from now, but that seed is planted. I remember my best friend saying to me years before I left my ex-husband, she said, Denise, don't you think he's a narcissist? And I was like, what? What's a narcissist? I Googled it. I took a quiz. And I was like, oh, he didn't check off all the marks. Nah. And pushed it aside and went about my life and didn't leave him until years later. What was your first job? My first job was Wendy's. The restaurant Wendy's, the fast food restaurant. What is your favorite season? Summer, hands down. What is your favorite food? I love Italian. That's very pasta-ish. <laughs> so, yeah, seafood would be my next one. Who is your hero? Well, two people came up. My husband now and myself. What is your favorite dessert? Cake. What time do you wake up? Depends. <laughs> Usually around 7.30. What movie do you quote the most? Well, we just passed Christmas, so Christmas vacation, the shitter's full. <laughs> Chevy Chase, <laughs> 80s, I'm an 80s child.
Are you a night in or are you a night out? In. Yeah. Are you a thinker or are you a doer? I'm a doer. Do you learn by watching or do you learn by doing? Doing. When you go swimming, do you tiptoe in or do you dive in? If it's a heated pool, <laughs> I'll dive in. If it's the beach and the water's cold, I will tiptoe in. What is your guilty pleasure? I guess vegging out on two and a half men, old episodes. <laughs> what motivates you? What I do now. What motivates me is helping women and men get out of the abuse of situations. What motivates me is that showing them like, if I did it, you can do it. Anybody can do it. That really motivates me. What is your deepest fear? I've worked on my fear so much that I, I really can't, I really don't have one. How do you want to be remembered? As the woman who came out of a pure train wreck shit show relationship, moved in and out of that and created an audience where I helped thousands and thousands and thousands of people get on the other side of abuse. And on your gravestone, what is something you would want for people that don't know you to be like, Ooh, that was her. What's that quote that says I, I, I did something and, and I showed up and I, I conquered. So there's some kind of quote like that. that I know was. exactly what you're talking about. What do you care the most about? My family, myself, my health, my world, my clients, my business. Now, in those questions, you said your husband and yourself are a hero. Mm -hmm. Why would your husband and yourself be heroes? Break that down so people out there don't say, well, she's being selfish. Okay, that's great. So the reason why my husband came up is because prior to me being in this relationship for eight years now, a healthy relationship for the first time in my life, I thought my ex-husband was my biggest teacher because he taught me so much in that shit show of 22 years. But now being in this healthy relationship, it's a whole nother world. And so I'm, I'm, it's just totally different. So he's my hero because he's shown me a whole different side of abuse. And that's just so amazing to me. So he's my hero in that way. For myself, I, I view myself as the hero because I'm the hero of my life because it was me that chose to leave. It was me that chose to heal my emotional wounds. It was me that chose to do all the things that it took for me to get to this place where I'm at now. And yes. you said you moved on. That yes. means you, you survived it. You conquered it. And it's not really buried in the past because you can't really bury it because it's who you are, yep. but you learn to deal with it and you learn to conquer it. Yes. Yes. Even the deepest, darkest shit that I've been through is now just a story in my life's journey. There's no charge to it. I don't cry over it anymore. I'm not sad about it. I don't feel guilty none of that is is there anymore. It doesn't live in that story anymore because I've healed those emotional wounds. And 
now that you healed from it, what would you say to people that are going through it that say, I can't heal from this. It's too bitter. It's too emotional. Well, the first thing I would say to them is I, I can empathize and understand where you're coming from. I, I, I've felt like that too before. So I know what that feels like. And when you're ready, when you choose you to feel better, to feel lighter, then there's 100% the opportunity for you to do that. It's up to you to choose it for yourself. And if somebody does need to talk, be there and be a shoulder for them to cry on. Mm-hmm. Be a person for them to talk to because they really do need that. They're not really getting that at home, putting up with a person like what they're dealing with. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give you a moment. This is your time. You can ramble on about whatever you want to do. If you want to give anybody advice or if you do want to talk about yourself, go ahead. This time is yours. Well, thank you. I would just say for your listeners that if you're in this situation or you think you're in this situation, the number one thing that I would recommend for them to do is to get educated about this personality disorder and what they're dealing with. So they know what they're dealing with. Cause a lot of women and men that come to me, they, just like you were saying earlier before Jason, they, they get so frustrated with their situation and they just, and like I did and just spit out, I'm leaving you, I'm divorcing you or whatever. And it, like you said, it makes things far more worse. So I would say, get educated of what this personality is and what you're dealing with and keep it to yourself. Don't even out of frustration, hold that in. Don't say I'm leaving you. Don't say I'm divorcing you. Cause that's going to make so much more, wreak so much more havoc on on them what i would say is prepare prepare for what you're going to do it took me five months to prepare me leaving and moving three states away that was including manifesting ten thousand dollars finding a place up here in north carolina booking the rental the moving truck and yada yada like all the things and there's a lot of preparation these women who come to me in divorce the first thing that they go out and do is hire best divorce attorney. And it actually screws them over to do that because they haven't dealt with the emotional part. And when you go to divorce the narcissist, they're losing control. They feel discarded. They're triggered as fuck. What they're going to do is make that person's life a living nightmare. And your attorney can't help you with that. All their zone of genius is in the legal department. It's not in the emotional department how to control your emotions if you go into mediation or if the all of that so i would say prepare take like like we were saying before if you have that opportunity where you can do that do it if you have to get out because the situation is so violent and horrible then you have no choice you have to get out so do that because everybody's situation is different have you ever had a situation where somebody was on the other side and they were made to go through therapy because they were so bad at being a narcissist? Not to my knowledge. I don't, I haven't had any client like that. Well, this has been a really good interview. I really appreciated it. Or I heard the conversation. What do you 
is there anything out there reference-wise that you could help them with if they need help getting to you or anything like that where they do need a shoulder to cry on? How do they get a hold of you or your services? So my website is True Love After Toxicom. And if they go to my website, there's all the social media links that I have tons and tons and tons of TikTok videos where I'm giving advice, where I'm coaching, where I'm sharing with them, where I'm telling them, here's what you want to avoid. Here's what you want to lean into. And then all over social media. So Instagram, Facebook, I have a group called Life After Narcissism Facebook group where I do training videos in there. So if they just want to vent or have a shoulder to cry on, that would be perfect for them. And then I have a free gift that they can sign up for. If they go to my website, they'll see that they just put their name and their email address in there and they will receive a, a video series that I give to them one each day. And I dive deep into what their steps are to love themselves and get out of abusive situations. And is it always the same as in Facebook or website, TikTok? Are they all the same? You Like life after abuse? Life after narcissism, yes. Except for Instagram, I am the done deal divorce diva on Instagram. <laughs> all right, cool. And I want to thank you for your time. This has been a really great time with you. We laughed. We got into some deep conversations. So thank I appreciate you. it. Thank you, Jason. I'm so happy to share this message with your audience. And I bet some are probably really happy to hear it because it's going to show them that there is life after abuse. Absolutely. I'm always looking for likes, shares, and reviews. Please give it a share and a review. Five stars really does help. Thanks for tuning in. Yes, refill both of our coffees. See you next week where we can listen once again. Please follow us on Saturday Java with Jason on Facebook and Instagram. And please follow me on Facebook at Jason Coffee Man.